Mind Edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile, found sometime last week, has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico, and sent to Wright Field, Ohio, for further inspection. That's right. That's right. It certainly was sent to Wright Patterson. Hey, have you found any uh, flying discs lately? No, the only ones that were the ones that dropped out of my hands after I had dinner. <laughs> <laughs> How well, you been, Rob? How you been? I, I did light a few for the 4th of July. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw a couple I of people. Those, those cascades. I, I saw somebody throwing a Frisbee out to you, uh, today, and I said to her, I told you flying saucers exist. <laughs> take a nice blurry picture of it. It could get you somewhere. <laughs> this whole month is is uh, what I call the Roswell month. Uh, it, it happens to be the 75th anniversary of yes. this event, so it's a, a little extra. Uh, the party is still going. Folks. The party is still on. The cover up continues. We, I mean, come, how many uh, cases of beer have we been through? I mean, it's, been it's a an, long month, long month, and it's only just almost halfway. It's amazing the controversy over a silly balloon, you know. How many times can you toss it up in the air and expect it to be, uh, you know, I don't know. The, the story just doesn't hold up. And the uh, month of July up. goes along with it, too, because with the truth is freedom. And freedom-loving people usually like the truth as well and are willing to fight for it. And that's, you know, that's why we have whistleblowers and people that have sprinkled the little bits of truth out there for us to digest. This particular month of July, 1947, changed everything for the government because all, all the books that have come out after the event indicate that the military was not only uh, upset that they had to deal with this and accept it as a, as a real event, but that uh, the creatures that are reported to have been discovered at the at the site really put this whole subject into a real uh, highly put position in the government. And uh, as I always um, bring up in these podcasts that I've uh, been broadcasting, we're up to 41 now, and uh, yeah. I, I think every every episode I brought up uh, the, the importance of this uh, – leaked document and i'm preparing to do a uh, a lecture next month and uh, i'm going to prepare um the public uh, that i'm going to be speaking to uh, with the uh, you know a basic uh, background on this because there's so much to explain to some uh, a new group who don't have much uh knowledge about really the uh, the cover-up and how it was enacted and the importance of it to be enacted. It's like admission uh, by omission. It seems that um, law was suspended temporarily. Oh, you mean like today? Yeah, today <laughs> it's just completely outlawed. <laughs> but back then, it seems like uh, the law was suspended because of the importance of this this crash confirmed what they thought was really going on. We were being visited by. And what do you mean by the law? Do you feel like. Well, the law of, of well, the defense like the, department. Like the news cycle was suddenly controlled by the, by the, by the military. 
I guess. Well, they had to they had to in, increase their uh, their position on, on information that was being uh, given to the public because. Um, and you point out. We, like, you know, we just well that this was right after the war. The war. Yeah, it was so a, they such were a, kind of dictating the news cycle to some. Yeah, some I mean, we, 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 uh, by us, um, winning the war and, and achieving the, uh, the victory, we, uh, we got a lot of, um, acceptance by the public. They, they, you know, when they spoke about things, especially this particular topic, um, and, and the location of this crash of where it happened, it all is involved in security and national security at that time was still a big uh, concern. Um, the uh, war was over in 45, but in two years, the United States government was faced with another problem as they call it. And when these documents became public, uh, knowledge in the 80s, <clears throat> the information that was contained in these, uh, these papers was not um, accepted. Most people thought it was all fake and forgery and things like that. But fun, time, funny, I, mm -hmm. funny, I had a lot of background uh, reading and a lot of knowledge about the, uh, the subject uh, for a good amount of years. And I knew that this uh, was very different. This, this thing that I had read and which I have it right in front of me right now, um, the consequence of, of having such a document released became an obsession for me because it put, it put the proof of a cover-up right, right in front of me. And uh, the first page, which is part of this 12-page, uh, 8-page uh, document, is the memo from Harry Truman uh, to the secretary of the uh, government, secretary of defense. And um, the letter is very vague. And it's just a two-paragraph two letter, September 24th, 1947. And the, the, the topic of UFOs is consolidated into one word, and that word is matter. And the word matter is used, in this case, to pertain to the subject of UFOs. Kind so, of a, con con connotating a, a, like an issue that they needed to deal with. Yeah, like right? this is just a, a matter, a, just mm -hmm. a problem. And, right. and, the, and the way the paragraph... Isn't that what Hillary Clinton called something along the way? Yeah, what matters? What does it, difference does it matter? <laughs> well, that that was, was her like, famous was statement. something they called a matter. I think it was... So this, I think it was Trump getting elected. was a, was a matter as well. <laughs> yeah, what does it matter? So, th <laughs> so this, this uh, paragraph that uh, was uh, written to, to Secretary Forrestal What's starts off as per our recent conversation... On this matter, you are hereby authorized to proceed with all due speed and caution upon your undertaking. Hereafter, this matter shall be referred to only as Operation Majestic 12. 
So all due speed. Was anybody in a hurry? All due speed. Oh how, yeah. How strong is immediately it? as fast as you freaking can. That's right. <laughs> Get your butt the down. Day interpretation. Yeah. It continues to say that it is my feeling that any future considerations relative to the ultimate disposition of this matter should rest solely with the office of the president following appropriate discussions with yourself, Dr. Bush, and the director of central intelligence. So right there, you have uh, so many words, the same, same uh, meaning behind that word, matter, is, is this, the topic of UFOs are being discussed right there in that, in that two-paragraph letter. So when they, you they left out the word gray, that's what happened. Yeah, that gray matter. <laughs> so when you when you read further through the the part that that comes to the uh, the briefing document for Eisenhower, which is a, a separate uh, insta, a, a separate issue because its date is 1952. So that's five years after the authorization from Truman to Forrestal to implement this. Uh, operation. And once it became in effect, it was no longer called Operation Majestic 12. It was called Majestic 12 Operations, because that, that infers that the operation is underway. And it's... Uh, yeah, it's also plural. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then two years later, in 1954, another important document was, was leaked, which is called the SOM Manual, which stands for Special Operations Manual. And that covers the uh, procedure to create a, uh, a recovery team should these objects come down wherever. And uh, the cooperation that was... Uh, put into effect with the creation of the United Nations, the, uh, the National Security Act, the National Security Agency. All these things occurred right after the Roswell landing, and it's, uh, it's kind of coincidental, but then it had to happen because the, the importance of this arrival of these craft, which went from just being observed, uh, observed during the war now became a reality and that's why I've uh, listed this title for this episode because I thought that uh, that was appropriate to say that the impossible becomes possible and proof that we're not alone in the universe and I mean this is the greatest uh, story that, 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 that in our lifetime where, where does the reporting of the beans come in because like you know when Walter Winchell now sit on the radio. He was talking about the flying disc, right? Like one, and he does say one of the discs was recovered and taken to such and such Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. uh, um, um, one of the discs, mm -hmm. because the I, I re-listened to that just to because I remembered that, and I, and it is it does say that. Yeah, it also says that there was a second disc. That, that had crashed mm -hmm. on the, the Texas-Mexico border. the MJ-12 stuff? Mm-hmm, yeah. So, because, uh, boy, if, if, if we could just interview that rancher, I mean, he must have seen these bodies or these beings as well. Or did he, it's very, I, I'm, I'm a little confused about the whole thing. 
Well, there's a lot of little pieces. The residents of Roswell uh, were all uh, intimidated to keep quiet under, you know, threat. (laughs) Of sounding crazy. Yeah, I mean, these people had uh, witnessed something that uh, they they shouldn't have seen. I mean, fine when it's, you know, been done and done so many times, but when you're the first to say, I saw an alien ship come right down and land in front of me and took me for a ride or something, you know. Yeah. Well, the investigators who who jumped into this uh, story uh, did did fantastic uh, work because they they did they did get to interview these uh, people in the town. Some of them, most of them, were very reluctant to uh, to talk, and some did say things that uh, revealed that uh, they were intimidated. And um, the, uh, the authors that, of the recent book that had come out uh, in the last uh, two years uh, it's called Roswell, The Ultimate Cold Case. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I like that title. <laughs> it, it covers uh, all the witness testimonies uh, and the evidence of uh, the cover-up. And uh, it, it's so up-to-date because there's information here that I wasn't uh, aware of. Mm-hmm. Such as the ranch that this thing came down on was no small ranch, mm-hmm. and it was, according to the information in this book, uh, it was about seventy-five thousand uh, acres. And wow. <laughs> so this is like almost like a, a small state in a state, yeah. because out there, you can go out there today and uh, get in a jeep and still drive. For miles and miles, and never see a thing yeah, except the coyote. Gates, yeah, Bill Gates bought that up too. <laughs> the uh, the fact that the rancher uh, was so uh, the boss re- uh, for the ranch was so uh, angry, he had to move his uh, cattle around this debris because they they were reluctant to to cross it. So he had to move them, and he had uh, quite a, a large herd. And uh, they had to be moved around until the uh, the authorities got out there and removed this debris. So this this testimony has come out hmm. recently. That's very interesting. Yeah. I was just thinking how it would have been great to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. You know. And, and, w- and once the, the military got their hands on some of this material, uh, you know, they, they knew that there would be uh, – uh, seekers of this uh, stuff that would go out to this uh, location and try to find some pieces to have as a souvenir. Oh, yeah. But the government made made a, a list of all the people that they knew lived in that town that may have went out to that town and, and confiscated these pieces. And, and they got these pieces back, according to the uh, information in this book. It's, it's almost like a, a science fiction story, like... Uh, they were they were put under such pressure to uh, national defense, national security. Uh, the fact that the 509th was right around the corner from this uh, location made made the uh, the military have a, a big a big backbone in this town. You know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't so far away. So the public. Uh, reluctantly said, okay, we won't say anything. They had to sign statements of uh, non-disclosure. Mm-hmm. And to this day, 
very few have opened their mouth and said anything. And, uh, you know, uh, there's a statement in, in the book uh, by Alan Dulles, who was the CIA agent. And he has a statement in here that says, uh, you want to keep a secret? Share, share the secret. And that's a that's an interesting thing because, in other words, you, you you don't play it down because then it looks like you're hiding something. Just keep keep building it up. So, as an example, if you go to Roswell, New Mexico today, it's a circus. As someone aliens. who's had a distant sighting, you know something mm -hmm. quite unusual. Mm -hmm. You will question yourself. Like I would think, over time, most people would, you know, I'm sure they planted plenty of plausible deniability. Oh, that was a test test machine, and we cannot tell anyone because we don't want the Russians to know. So don't divulge anything about this. It's a matter of national security, or you know, General Ramey himself will show up and <laughs> take your firstborn away. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and they they were given different names of these objects. They were they were called flying saucers. They were called uh, uh, Foo Fighters during the war. Uh, they were called, um, what was the other one, um, meteors and um, atmospheric uh, mm -hmm. ball lightning. There was another one, <laughs> swamp, ball, gas, right? swamp gas that they, they used uh, to explain uh, uh, an object that was uh, in, a, in, a, in a wooded area and, and there was, you know, a fog around the area. So they, they came up with the swamp gas mm -hmm. thing. <laughs> but it's amazing all the different stories. And like I said, in the back of this book, there's a couple of statements from some important people, like military people. And one of them is uh, General Ramey, actually. Mm -hmm. And he's he's a real character in this uh, this cover-up because mm -hmm. he's yeah, the one that's... I can't wait to hear because I've, I've been wanting to do an episode on him. <laughs> he says right here, oh, that Roswell? It was the biggest lie I ever that had to Roswell. tell. Roswell. That Roswell. Oh, that Roswell. <laughs> it was the biggest lie I ever had to tell. Roger Ramey, Brigadier General, head of, head of the like 8th sense. Air Force, Carl, Carlswell Air Force, 1947. So, uh, I mean, this guy is, is saying this then. You know, uh, maybe he said this statement recently because he's much older and he's uh, not bound. I didn't see him coming well. He was in the picture, wasn't he? Of the yeah, with the, the with, the, with the weather balloon with, <laughs> with Major Jesse Marcel, which was egg on their face, which was uh, is a known lie. So, yeah, here's a statement from Jesse Marcel. Another one. There was so much of it in quote wreckage. So he quotes. Uh, he says that, but he doesn't say the word wreckage. He just says there was so much of it, which he was referring to wreckage. So, uh, so much of the uh, the tin foil, huh? Yeah, so much of it. So it goes from a flying disc to being a weather balloon. Now, this that's just no. Yeah. yeah. So each one of these little one sentence uh, statements from these witnesses, whether they be military or uh, uh, people that lived in the town of Roswell, uh, so so much. Uh, uh, writers have, have gone to this town to get information from these people. And very few have been, you know, some are, are quite annoyed uh, because the, 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 the questions are, you know, they don't want to answer these questions if they've been told to keep their mouth quiet. Here's one statement from a, a woman 
from the uh, T Squadron at Roswell Army Air Force Base in 1947. Her, her name is Mary Martinez. She's the wife of Frank Martinez, who is a private first class. And she says, my husband drove the truck hauling the flying saucer material for two full days. <laughs> Was it Patterson Air what? Force Base? Where did it go? Well, it went to Fort Worth, and then it was brought. They did the – actually, the uh, – <laughs> The covers, the cover story with Ramey and Jesse Marcel was done at Fort Worth, not in, not at the Roswell uh, Army base. Right, because I knew they had. They moved at first. Can we to listen Fort to Worth. the full? Can we let the part about Ramey Ramey play here and the the Walter Winslow piece? Because we always stop it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah you could play. Let's, it. let's hear it. Let's hear. Because I, I, I want you the public to pay attention to the way that the, the excitement language changed and Walt in his voice when mm -hmm. he first announced that there's been a UFO found. You know? Yeah. Cause after it's, after the report changes, you could hear his voice go. Yeah. I apologize uh, for the, for the st static in there, but the static is representing a whole day that went by and someone who horse collared him and, you know, and suddenly has a different tone. He's acting like everything's cool and it's all explainable. Yeah. yeah so don't get one that. day to the next, just keep that in mind. Or it might have been a couple days later. I think it was the next day. I think it was the next day. I think yeah. he says that. Let's check it out. Headline edition, July 8th, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile found sometime last week has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico and sent to Wright Field, Ohio for further inspection. Oh, Wright Field. Late this afternoon, a bulletin from New Mexico suggested that the widely publicized mystery of the flying saucers may soon be solved. Army Air Force officers reported that one of the strange disks had been found and inspected sometime last week. Our correspondents in Los Angeles and Chicago have been in contact with Army officials endeavoring to obtain all possible late information. Joe Wilson reports to us now from Chicago. The Army may be getting to the bottom of all this talk about the so-called flying saucers. As a matter of fact, the 509th Atomic Bomb Group headquarters at Roswell, New Mexico, reports that it has received one of the disks which landed on a ranch outside Roswell. The disk landed at a ranch at Corona, New Mexico, and the rancher turned it over to the Air Force. Rancher W.W. Brizel was the man who discovered the saucer. Colonel William Blanchard of the Roswell Air Base refuses to give details of what the flying disk looks like. No In Fort Worth, Texas, where the object was first sent, Brigadier General Roger Ramey says that it is being shipped by air to the AAF Research Center at Wright Field, Ohio. A few moments ago, I talked to officials at Wright Field, and they declared that they expect the so-called flying saucer to be delivered there, but that it hasn't arrived as yet. In the meantime, General Ramey describes the object as being of flimsy construction, almost like a box type. He says that it was so battered that he was unable to determine whether it had a disc form, and he does not indicate its size. Ramey says that so far as can be determined, no one saw the object in the air, and he describes it as being made of some sort of tinfoil. Other Army officials say that further information indicates that the object had a diameter of about 20 to 25 feet, and that nothing in the apparent construction indicated any capacity for speed, and that there was no evidence of a power plant. But this also appeared too flimsy to carry a man. Now, back to Taylor Grant in New York. Okay. <laughs> I wow. Mean, 
you know, when, when I hear that, uh, you know, it just reminds me of the confusion that, that they were in at that time, that they had to come up with some kind of excuse. Wait, excuse then, me, Bob. Excuse me, Bob. No one has said anything on this podcast tonight. I just wanted to get that out there. Really? Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like what they say. They say no one saw anything. Right. No one has seen anything. Look somewhere you know, I else. love those summary statements that they, you know, you can't rule out a crime scene as big as a city mm-hmm. overnight. Right, right. You know, or what, or, yeah, you, know, you get what I'm saying. It's not like yeah. erasable. Yeah. Right. You can't make, you, you know, you can't rule out everything, the existence of things like that. With, uh, it, 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 it's kind of jumping the shark. Well, it, it involves, and, and the only thing that, that the government had in their favor at that time for enforcing this uh, silence was that it, it, number one, it happened right after the war. So if this had happened, say, 10 days ago, people would have said, up yours. We're not going to keep our mouth quiet. We're going to tell everybody mm-hmm. we know. So, but back then, that people, were, were, especially after they were forced to sign uh, non-disclosure forms and, mm-hmm. and uh, under national security uh, concern, they uh, reluctantly agreed, and, and some, you know, didn't want to agree, especially <laughs> Max Brazel, who was uh, brought into, uh, he was brought into, uh, how would you say, uh, to be questioned, to mm-hmm. well, uh, to yeah, they be kept briefed. Him. They so kept him, and <laughs> they kept him away away from the, uh, the 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 reporters for a couple of days, and then he had a new truck. Oh and, yeah, uh, that's the guy. That, oh shoot! And he was driving around in a new truck. Everybody and, was wondering where he got his new truck. Yeah, and, and they made a movie years ago about it uh, mm-hmm. called Roswell, and and the character who played. The ranch owner was uh, Gary Busey named. or something. No, no, it's <laughs> White like Yoakum. Oh He's yeah, still, yeah. He played. Oh, the, that's the, cool. The singer. He played the. Yeah, he played that part. And oh, uh, that's cool. Funny. Well, uh, B- uh, Big Chief Thunderlung uh, from the uh, Podbean Room sent us a message and said that um, the second craft crash site was said to have human body parts inside from mm-hmm. his from his sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, and an ar- archaeological group uh, from college was there when it was found. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, it's like you said. I mean, there's there's still more to the story that was mm-hmm. never told, mm-hmm. and things still do come to light. Yeah. Uh, so, so to find the most important information is very difficult because, <clears throat> I mean, uh, even though I've got a lot of books, uh, there's nothing in the books that that produced the excitement that I got from hearing those pilots mm-hmm. off the coast of California, seeing these objects and, and reporting them and hearing that excitement in the pilots voices is, is very stimulating because these people don't get excited when, when you know, right there. I mean, they're, they're, they're thrill trained as it is. So it's not any, you know, they're yeah. used to doing loop to loops and going, you know, handling things that we're not used yeah, to. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, we drive down the street and we have not cars that, that don't have to be, uh, you don't have to keep your hands on the steering wheel, but uh, can't do that up in the air because even though you have automatic pilot, you still got to keep your eyes uh, on the radar screen to, you know, there's all forms of uh, double checking your, uh, your systems. People that have these automatic cars, 
they take it for granted that they could go turn around and have lunch and, and forget about the, the steering wheel. And then they crash into a, a truck because somebody else is uh, going in the wrong direction. But I'm getting off the track, and I, I want to get back on That's the track. That's okay. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to do the current event now because it kind of it's interesting if you if you if looking back to '47, then you have these books that come out all along the way, including mm-hmm. two years ago, and this is happening right now. And I would love to uh, I would love to read a little something. It's time for the UFO current. All right, I found this today on MSN.com, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's uh, I guess it's published by Bloomberg. It's put up. It's yeah, it says Bloomberg. Um, persistent speculation about sightings of unidentified aerial phenomena, popularly known as UFOs, is drawing attention from the U.S. government and inspiring a technology startup. Um, let me get past all the, uh... so I thought this was interesting because they're yeah, but, actually, yeah, but, I'm sorry, but Rob, mm-hmm. wasn't that report done from, uh, 19, when was it, when was this published? This, this, uh, no, this is just, just came out. This is like 14 hours ago Oh, uh, by Roxana Tiran and Mia McCarthy. And, and it says UFO buzz inspires tech startup to track incidents exposes hoaxes so this private group i'll, I'll just give you this a summary of what they're doing is mm-hmm. they're basically say, come out and say you know you can't you can't snap photos with your phones they're not made to pick up things a mile away you need a telescope to do that so right. this it's it, it's apparently a private funded group called enigma labs registered in delaware wants to build a repository to catalog score and crowdsource incidents and expose hoaxes hmm. so um the internet is full of nonsense and it's very hard to get good information, said Enigma Labs founder Alex Smith, who has a background in data science and aerospace. The company, whose name evokes the German code the UK cracked during World War II, is largely funded by Silicon Valley firms, Smith mm-hmm. said, declining to give details. So, you know, is this a legit truth-seeking organization or is it an organization that's there to blah 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 yeah to basically call everything a hoax before it has a chance that's what seems to always be going on that they get so close to sounding like they're going to reveal something significant and then they Mm -hmm. i I mean what the, the the suspect thing is that silicon valley is heavily invested in it but still you have to admit it's a great idea and you know, why wouldn't they for something so cutting edge like this? There's so much interest in it. That's why we're doing this podcast. But check this out. Enigma Smith, who says she isn't a UFO expert, said the idea for a data, a data repository came in 2020 after talking with pilots. Hmm. That's Cheers, Bob. Cheers. <laughs> you know, something was going on, Smith said in a phone interview. It's really these F-16, F-18 pilots who are, are true north Smith said, referring to military pilots who have reported unexplained sightings from their operations or training. Most incidents are observed by U.S. military personnel and also registered on technical sensors, but there still isn't enough data to allow intelligence analysts to draw meaningful conclusions, Pentagon officials told lawmakers in May. Okay, now you see where that little twist took us. Now we're at the government, right? So... (laughs) 
I'll, I'll get back to what the government's doing, but Enigma is focusing on vacuum, vacuuming up all the histor- historical data first. But, you know, to me, it's, you know, they've got to get, uh, people need, 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 we're not quite there yet on the technology yeah, it, being it, in it, everyone's it, hand it, and their cell phone to be able to take, you know, I mean, yeah, you can get shots of the moon with an iPhone if you play with all the settings, but you're not, it's, if you're going to try and photograph or video a craft flying and, and for that to be proof, it's, it's, it's not going to work. As an example, today's paper had a fantastic photograph of the new web telescope. Oh, like there's, there's a lens for you. <laughs> yeah. This, this telescope is, is apparently a million miles away from earth. Mm-hmm and uh, maybe still going and it's taken it's taken this uh photo of the cosmos which uh is uh, remarkable because it brings us almost back to the big bang theory uh mm-hmm. and and, at the, and and it's like going from one of those disposable cameras from 15 20 years ago you know how blurry they were to like what's in an iphone today it's so clear and colorful but i mean this is like multi-million dollar telescope out there. It says here that we're got quote, we're going back to almost the beginning of time. That is the discovery that we are making with this telescope. Nielsen said, it is going to be so precise. We're going to be, we're going to see whether or not planets are inhabitable. And, and, you know, it struck me, this is our technology. Could you imagine a civilization that's a few hundred thousand years or a thousand years advanced over us? What kind of telescopes they have? Right. But they the could see us having lunch on but, the... On but the, we, we don't get to see everything. You know, it's not like we have public access to that, that, that lens. But yeah. that's what these guys are trying to do with the Galileo Project. Right. Loeb right. founded the Galileo Project, a privately funded research project using telescopes to gather data. He said he talked to Enigma a couple times about this project project. Loeb said the Galileo data will be open for Enigma and anyone else worldwide who might want to use it. After we get some high quality data, I will be delighted to collaborate and share my ideas with Enigma. He said the government likely has access to classified high quality data on unidentified aerial phenomena, but uses it for identifying security threats rather than alien life. It's just not their business, Loeb said. It's the business of scientists to figure out something that is not easily identified as human-made or natural. Or, or, uh, natural. The Defense Department last year, now here's where the government part comes in. I mean, I, I was a little encouraged by the private you know, companies springing up to do something about this, but I don't know if Silicon Valley is investing. So. The Defense Department last year established an Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group. I mean, who the hell can remember that? Well, it's got a Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group. So what's the initials for each A-O-I-M-S-G. one of those? A-O-I-M-S-G. Okay, so that's just a train wreck. Yeah, it's the alphabet. After, after a declassified report last June found the government couldn't explain more than 140 incidents of unidentified aerial phenomena. Congress has also directed the agency to create rapid response teams made up of Pentagon and intelligence community experts that can respond to sightings and conduct field investigations. Mm-hmm. Gee, what a novel idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't think they did that in 1947. Apparently, mm-hmm. the MJ-12 document, you know, doesn't talk about that or anything, or does it? 
Well, <laughs> Rob, as a contrast, <laughs> to jump in there right away, the the the, the fact that in in 1947. The memo that, that Truman issued to Forrestal was vague, right? Like mm-hmm. I said earlier. And yet, when you get to the briefing document for Eisenhower, it was very open. It's very, it's very, it tells you exactly what went on. Mm-hmm. It, there's nothing secret about it. It tells you that a scientific study was put together to recover this object. And it doesn't say anything about well, don't, it, it's, it's a matter, you know, it, it, no, it doesn't use those words. It goes directly into this, into the subject and goes deeply into everything that went on up until 52. So he had to get briefed on, on all the medical research that was going on on these creatures, all the research that was going on on the craft itself. And, uh, like I said, it was originally brought to, um, Wright Patterson, because of its uh, research capability at that at that place, but then it was moved to Nevada, and now it's housed at uh, apparently the uh, the famous uh, Area Fifty One that we all talk about. Well, interesting about what you that topic of kind of moving around because in the different radio broadcasts, at first it, they it said it was going to be taken to Ohio, but then. In the second broadcast, you know, after there was more explanation, remember Ohio was still waiting for it. Apparently, it went to Fort Worth or something, right? Well, Fort Worth was apparently where the uh, the photo for the the weather balloon right. took place with Jesse Marcel and Roger Ramey. So that that's it wasn't taken at uh, at the Roswell uh, what, what is, Army base, which was uh, which was where the <laughs> the stuff was being held in the hangar. Right. Yeah. Right. So they brought a weather with a weather balloon all the way to Wright Patterson and they didn't know that it was a weather balloon. <laughs> Meanwhile the testimony of some of the witnesses mentioned an eighteen wheeler that was uh, coming right through town with a big cover on it. So uh I mean I don't know if a weather balloon needed a an eighteen wheeler to uh to transport it. Well, I just like the you know the other the other part is that it, you know, it was a, clearly a flying disc, and and then suddenly it wasn't a disc. It was a, aluminum foil. It did not mm-hmm. constitute a disc, and it couldn't fly. And there's no way it could support life. And nobody saw it in the air. Nobody. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody. Okay, ever and like in the I, world. And like I said, from <laughs> from the, from the fact that the uh, the government uh, vagueness in the beginning because they didn't want anybody to know what they were doing. So all this vagueness in this, uh, in this little letter to Forrestal puts a lot of pressure on Forrestal. James, uh, Dr. Bush was used to all the pressure because he was working on the uh, atomic bomb. So sure. He was under a lot of pressure to, get this bomb ready for the, uh, the drop. But uh, Forrestal had other, other uh, obligations. He was a, uh, appointed, uh, he was involved with the Navy. And uh, the, uh, the fact that his death is very mysterious. Yep. And it took place so closely to this uh, Roswell operation. 
you know, there's a, a book out that I have in my library. I think I mentioned it last week. It's called the puzzle palace. And I, and I look, uh, I looked in it in the back and, and it's about the uh, national security agency, this book. So the, the, the back index, uh, I thumb through it and I look for, for names that uh, coincide with this topic. And uh, the only name that I was able to come across that uh, coincided with this was uh, Forrestal's name. And coincidentally, it describes uh, a couple of the uh, responsibilities that were, were on Forrestal's back at that time. With and, all due speed. <laughs> with all due speed, yeah. With all due speed, yes. He, he was in a conversation with a, a group of uh, CEOs from uh, various uh, companies, uh, and um, it was called Project Shamrock. I think uh, it involved a little bit of drinking, eh? <laughs> a little bit of luck, you know? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, under this uh, this Operation Shamrock, the, these uh, CEOs wanted assurances from Forrestal that the, that the work that they were going to undertake would not be uh, subjecting their companies to uh, litigation. So <clears throat> it reminds me of the matter issue. Mm. because they were discussing something that was uh, classified and uh, and yet Forrestal was in charge of trying to bring these these individual uh, companies into this uh, research. Some companies were mentioned in uh, the book The Day After Roswell uh, by Lieutenant uh, Philip Corso and he mentions uh, you know companies such as Motorola, and uh, Bell Labs, and uh, these companies were brought into this uh, back engineering that were going to was going to take place on on after the recovery of this material in New Mexico. So as soon as they could get this material to uh, to uh, to these uh, research areas, uh, everybody was going to be under extreme uh, secrecy. Because they were dealing with something that was a matter of national security. And once something is put under that, that label, mm. it receives a real lot of uh, care. And uh, especially in those days. Today, I mean, we got, we got weird things going on at West Point, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I think that the, uh, the documents speak for themselves. And uh, once I explain to people that are naive to, to this uh, document. They don't, they're not even aware that this document is out. And a lot of times when I place it in people's hands, they still don't get it because they don't follow my, uh, my couple of uh, instructions <laughs> on when you read it, you must read it in complete silence, no noise, no radio, no TV, no interruptions. You got to read it completely from the beginning to the end. And uh, that's the way it, it sinks in better. If you if you read half of it and you go you go out and come back and, and then read it again, it just doesn't it doesn't hit you the same way. So that's why I recommend it to do it the way I, I recommend it. And uh, the 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 topic of, of this uh, Roswell, which continues to be the focus of the the public's uh, questions. Because they, they never get a straight answer. You know, was it a weather balloon? Was it this? Was it that? 
And over the years, uh, many ex- excuses have come out to try to uh, qu- quench the, uh, the questions. And uh, all of these uh, various excuses never held up because they, they weren't adequate. And it didn't sit with the evidence that, that's uh, accumulated over the last uh, 75 <laughs> years. So uh, we're in for a disclosure. It, it should come soon. Probably not from these, the thing I was reading of the project <laughs> of the government. Yeah, don't expect anything from the <laughs> Pentagon. Like I say, uh, they have their own version of things. Uh, unless these things uh, reveal themselves uh, more discreetly or less discreetly and uh, – People can't deny it. You know, that's why I've heard people say, well, why don't they just land in Manhattan and New York City and uh, the White, uh, instead of the, the White House lawn? Let them land in front of Central Park and let everybody come out and see them. You know, that would be the ultimate uh, revelation. But um, I don't know if that's ever going to happen because uh, there's something about it that confounds uh, my mind. What, what the intentions of this uh, visit is. Is it, is it to study our, our uh, achievements in uh, nuclear energy or is it to uh, make us a meal one day and a, and a sandwich? You know, <laughs> there's been so many speculative uh, uh, reasons why they've come here. Uh, you know, I could spend hours trying to think about it. Uh, but uh, I will leave this towards next week. We will get into a, uh, a more deeper uh, description of the uh, witnesses that lived in Roswell and were intimidated deeply uh, under uh, threats of, you know, putting him in uh, incarceration. <laughs> yes. And we appreciate you all for continuing to listen to this matter. <clears throat> I mean, podcast, excuse me. Yes. This matter, maybe. Hey, wait a minute. Maybe that's maybe we're onto something there. We can. Everyone else has a podcast. We have a matter. Thank you for listening to this matter, and uh, we'll be back next week, right? Yes, I hope so. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the middle of moving 1,200 miles, but I'm yeah. going to do it anyway. I don't care. It's important stuff. So. Yeah, it's fun. You still, they'll still find you. And Big Chief Thunderlung is he's, he's emailed us some new info too. Let's check it out. Can't get away from the aliens. They'll they'll come to Georgia too. Thank you, everybody. Please send your messages, comments, suggestions to UFOs Top Secret. And I misspelled it earlier at <laughs> protonmail.com. Or you can check us out and contact us through UFOs Top Secret.com. You, you have been listening to Roswell The Impossible Becomes Possible, part of the UFOs Top Secret podcast with Bob Bria. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>